You know, the little kids around the ring, you know, you could tell they didn't have a pot to piss in. And that stuck out to me. And because I looked at the babies and I saw myself. Coming from the rough upbringing that I did, I, I always find myself um, striving so much to never become what I was surrounded with. Uh, my parents suffered with addiction and depression. Um, and my life growing up was just terrible. But uh, like you said, life is hard. If you don't get to choose what comes to you, the only thing you could choose is how you react. The, the, the odds don't favor people like Lacey. You to say, what are the odds that she's going to accomplish what she accomplishes? They don't care about the odds. They're just focused on what's possible in front of them, and they just attack it. Welcome to the Toughness Podcast. My name is Patty Steinfeld, your host. And today we're joined by a couple of like world's best people in their own right. Firstly, we have Lacey Evans, currently a uh, superstar on WWE. Fantastic to have you here, Lacey. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. And we also have Justin Sewer, who uh, is a mental performance coach for many different teams in many different industries. Justin, maybe you can list through the most recent ones for us. We'll just say we're the Tampa Bay Rays right now. All right. Also does some consulting work for different groups. And that's how I've managed to convince the both of you to get on this episode because Justin has worked with WWE before. Yeah. Lacey, how are you? I am good. How Wait, are you? I'm trying to think the last time we, I saw you. Was it at the set, was it PC? Is it in Orlando? It was. It was at a PC, uh, one of the training sessions there. That's right. That's right. It's still good to see your family and I, I love following your journey. It's been amazing. Thank you. Thank you. It's been a crazy one. Where are you calling from? I am on the set of Military Makeover in Georgia. Um, so, yeah, we've been here for a few days. And, um, you know, we were just shooting some stuff out on the deck. And I, the uh, makeup lady just got me all ready because I was drenched um, due to one of our little episodes. So it was pretty <laughs> she got me. She got me ready pretty quick. What's, what's Military Makeover involved? For those, for those who may not know. Right. It's Military Makeover with Montel Williams. It's on Lifetime TV. And what they do is go in and help give back to veterans and their families. And uh, by doing that, they take their entire home and they make it over with uh, from, from roof all the way down to the floor to include their yard, everything, depending on what that veteran needs. So if they're handicapped and need certain things, they got it. If they're suffering with mental health issues, PTSD, they make sure that down to the color of the interior of the home helps with get them get through their day. So if they have kids, they make sure their kids are all set up with everything that they need. And um, it's pretty incredible. Wow. That is incredible. That yeah. is incredible. That must be like you, you, must, you must get some amazing reactions from the families or the veterans when they get home, right, and they see the, the makeover? Uh I mean, it's, it's, it's heart wrenching, you know, because they, they come to us because they actually could use and need the help. Um, and then military makeover, they, uh, we do the family, see who's, you know, uh, requested or nominated themselves in order to get it. A lot of times with veterans, because they're so gung ho, they don't want to feel like they're a victim or need anything. So what's interesting is a lot of times friends or families are the ones that nominate these families to actually even get an get a chance to be put on a list to be even considered 
Um, so when the veterans come in, they try to stay tough, but when they see, it's just like a weight, you could literally see the weight lifted off these veteran shoulders, um, to see what they have, you know, I mean, cause like I said, their house is completely made over and, um, and just made beautiful. That's awesome. That is amazing. And I think, I mean, we're going to probably circle back to that cause that point of veterans being really proud and you know not wanting to be victims and not wanting to ask for help sometimes it's really relevant to particularly some of the work that justin and i kind of do and so tell me a little bit Lacey. this is a really interesting chat with you for a a couple of different reasons number one you're amazing at what you do but number two in particular given that a lot of the people that listen to this are uh, from a military background you yourself are a veteran uh, can you tell us about how you first got into, you were in the Marines, right, for five years? Right. Is that correct? Yeah. Right. Yes, sir. How did you, what did you decide to go into the military? Um, so uh, starting at a young age, I had a pretty rough upbringing. Uh, my parents suffered with addiction and depression, um, and my life growing up was just <laughs> terrible. I mean, I, I like to say I didn't have the role models. I didn't know what I wanted to be, but I definitely without a shadow of a doubt, knew what I didn't want to be because it surrounded me all the time. And so um, when I was 19 years old, I found myself enabling the addiction, enabling the depression, enabling this lifestyle of just not only negativity, but they're just, they were not motivated and they were, they just continued to choose um, terrible things. And I was stuck in the middle of it. And I loved them so much that I found myself enabling them, almost supporting their decisions and their habits. And I knew that I needed to do something not only to help people because I've always had a passion for that, but I needed to make a decision that would allow me to grow and to learn what that was that I wanted to be because I didn't know. I didn't have, you know, the role models that I needed growing up. Um, so at 19 years old, I uh, went to the recruiting station um, in my town. I was working two full-time jobs. I was going to school full-time in, in the healthcare field. And, um, I just went and looked what they had to offer from Air Force to the Marine Corps to the Navy and across the board. And the Marine Corps was the finest fighting force. And that stuck out to me because I go from the the lowest of the low and the, the most depressed and the, you know, drug driven. And it was all just so negative. And to tell me that you're the finest fighting force, the most motivated, the most driven well, that's what I want to be, you know, and that was the first time in my life that I honestly looked at someone and something and thought that is the life that I want that because it was just so opposite of what I knew. Um, so then as I sat down, um, I said, well, what could I do? What could I do while in the military, in the Marine Corps and the military police? And it immediately struck a chord because growing up in that rough childhood, that rough upbringing, one thing that I can think of, of help, of the good guys, of the the people that are supposed to come in and do something good and right was the police, you know? Um, and so I was like, that's even better. Not only could I be a part of the finest fighting force, but I could actually be there for people that are going through hell um, on a personal level, on a family level and, and everything in between. So I uh, chose the United States Marine Corps. I chose military police officer. And before I know it, I was uh, one of the, not one of, but the only female on a SWAT team as part of the Marine Corps in Beaufort, South Carolina, Paris Island. And so Crazy. You know. <laughs> you, you, you've been a trailblazer in a number of ways. Well, so there are, there are a couple of things further down your storyline that I'm going to circle back to. Right. And that seems like it's a theme. I, I want to quickly grab something you mentioned there in your story. And, and it, 
it made me immediately think of you, Justin, because we've known each other for a number of years, crossed paths before I even moved to the United States. And Lacey just mentioned that she was, life was a bit of a jumble. And then she saw something that really resonated because she wanted to help people and be there for them in, in a time they really need it in a way that many other people can't do, right? And I know that's part of why you ended up being a mental performance coach because you were doing journalism school, right? Or something like that? Yeah, I was a bro- I went into sports broadcasting. There you go. And I went into being a teacher, high school teacher. And then from there, went into wanting to work with the, the best athletes and performers in the world. Uh, because those like Lacey, who are at the tip of the spear, who want to be the best in the world, uh, it's, it's inspiring. The, the, the way they, at- they attack their days, the way uh, their approach to, they, they have to control their attention. So many people clamoring for their attention. And, uh, and people like Lacey and these elite performers, they fail on the big stage. The pressure that, that these elite performers have to experience day in and day out, the people sliding into their DMs, the things that people say to them without even knowing them, though that's the group I want to work with. And also, they have such tremendous impact uh, to, to see Lacey and these, these other elite athletes when they respond to somebody on Instagram or on, on social media, an autograph, the simple hello, um, to have that kind of impact. That, that's what inspires me as well. So it's, it is mutually um, edifying to not only be surrounded by people who are of that calendar, but to even uh, to be able to talk with them and to help them on their own journey is, is such an honor. Uh, yeah, it's a grand, it's a great example, and there's a part of that there that really resonates for me. I do similar work with NBA players, uh, Major League Baseball players, some other industries. But really, one of the biggest things with people who are lacy at your level, it's just amazing the amount of people who look up to you. That some of the skills and some of the incidences we're going to touch on t- in today's show, some of the um, learnings and the and the growth that you've had. It actually applies to anyone in any walk of life that, that if, they, if they learn these skills, they can really improve their own lives. To your point, they can help support their own family who may be struggling with their own stuff. So really looking forward to, to d- digging into that. And you mentioned when we just jumped out to Justin a second ago that you went into the police because it was going to help people and you ended up being the only female on a SWAT team. Now, you're not only being the only female on a SWAT team, just looking into your background a little bit, there was a little period between the military and WWE where you started your own construction business, right? Which is not necessarily the most feminine environment. How how have you found being a trailblazer in those areas? Oh, uh, I mean, it's empowering. I mean, as a mother of a little girl myself, she's seven years old, um, and having the, the childhood that I did, you don't really have an option in life. You know, sometimes it just knocks you down over and over and over, and it's hard. And so being well-rounded and confident to me is, is so important because, and I do thank God every day that my childhood wasn't perfect because it has made me the woman that I am. My father did construction my whole life. Um, so I was raised in it. I've been around it and I actually started a construction company while I was active duty as a corporal in the Marine Corps. And this was before WWE. My husband uh, is a general contractor and he's a builder. So it only made sense to you know, me and him both start the company and, uh, and it took off and I, and I'm a hard worker. And I was like, you know, my dad taught me quite a lot in life from good to bad and everything in between. And I said, you know, this is something that I know it's, it's not, it's normal to me. And so even my daughter goes out on job sites, grabs a hammer, grabs a drill at seven years old and starts, she gets in there and, uh, 
she puts in the work. So super cute, super cute. You know, two parallels there where you were on a construction site as a female, both growing up, but also running your own construction business when you're in the Marines and being the only female in a SWAT team, like being the only female or being a rare female in those environments. What was the toughest part of that? Every time they're going to underestimate you, they are going to assume that you are only capable of so much. And it is our jobs as, as women to prove them wrong. And that doesn't mean go out there and say that you can do what the men can do. That No, because you know what? We're women. We should be proud of that. I love being a beautiful, feminine, strong mother. I love being a wife. I love being a woman. But it's not so much proving that we could do what the men can do. It's proving that we could do our job. Okay? And it all depends on what job you have. And I'm a firm believer in that. It just so happened that I was on the SRT, which is Special Reactions Team. It just so happened. I don't look at it like, you know, I say that I was the only woman because that's empowering. That sounds empowering. And it is. And it, and it should be. But it was, I was in a male-dominated, it just so happened to be mostly men. It happened to be all men. Um, but I need to, what's my job description? And I wanted to prove that I, I had what it took to do that job. And then before you know it, I'm the only female in that, that you know, that work, work field. Same thing with construction. I mean, um, yeah, you see blonde hair and blue eyes. And if you tell me what needs to be done and watch as I get the job done. And that's something I instilled in my kid all the time is, don't focus so much on I'm the only female focus on this is what I can, this is what I can do. I can do the job that that is at hand. And I feel like, and if you look at it that way, then it just, it, it empowers more and more to where it's not so taboo. It's it, eventually one day it won't be looked at like, wow, you know, which and it should, you should be proud. But, um, I feel like a lot of times women are looked at like, Oh, can she do that? And it shouldn't be that way because just watch and, and we as women should prove that we can do the job, not that we could be the only female, no, that we could do the job because it, it goes different ways. Not only just in sports, what is your athletic position? It, what is your job? And then, then go as it, as the jobs that we could do yeah. and see what we will be capable of. That's a, it's a great way of looking at it. And it really is one of the great levelers of sport in general uh, or of any other competitive industry also in the military is like are you able to do this job or not it doesn't matter what you look like it doesn't matter where you come from can you do the job that we need or not and if if you're able to you should be able to build a career around it justin i can throw to you right. here in one of two ways and you can take whichever one you want one is you work with professional athletes and there is a, a meritocracy it's it's not a matter of like you know your dad played in the big league so you get to play it's can you get the numbers or not that's one way and there are some parallels there for you to play with but there's also the other one of you have a daughter who is incredibly talented who is an actress uh, at the highest level she was on a blockbuster with the rock dwayne the rock johnson last year right one of the biggest movies of the year if not the biggest so she's a big league player herself at the age of what how old is she uh she's 11 She's 11, right? So she's doing amazing things. And you're hearing Lacey talk about that in terms of being able to do the job. Pick one of those to go with, whether you want to draw the parallel with the athletes or with your daughter. Uh, well, what's interesting is, do you hear the passion of Lacey? Like, do you just see that just uh, <laughs> love about it? And, and I, well, you can just hear it's palpable. It's, it's, it's visceral. It creates this. And that is when you see the people who are the best in the world, uh, they just focus on what they can control and their ability to choose where they're going to put their attention. 
they can choose to focus on the probability. It's the, the, the odds don't favor people like Lacey. They don't favor uh, the, the odds. If you were to say, what are the odds that she's going to accomplish what she accomplishes? What are the odds that these NBA players, the NFL players, these my daughter, they, the odds are not stacked against them. It's not for them. But the people who are passionate about what they do, they know their why, they know who they are. They don't care about the odds. They're just focused on the task in front of them and they just attack and attack and attack and they fail and they learn. And another thing as well is what I see in, in hearing Lacey's story and a lot of the stories that I hear with these athletes I work with, they have a very tight circle of family members and friends who they love and take all WWE superstar away, take the, the uh, for these athletes, take the World Series away for my daughter, take all of her stuff away. She knows these people know they have a circle of people who love them no matter what. And uh, and that's one of the things that I learned as well as these people, not only are they passionate and focused, but they have a very close circle of people who they know they love them no matter what. And that also helps. You've mentioned attention a couple of times there, Justin. Lacey, you've kind of mentioned it in a roundabout way, but that's one of the biggest predictors of whether someone can focus on what they're supposed to be doing as opposed to, like you said, the DMs on Twitter or what the press wants to say about you or the, the drill sergeant is yelling in your face and there's little bits of spit landing on your cheek. There are so many things you can pay attention to, but when you have a tight crew that you know who lo- they love you, you don't have to go searching for that love elsewhere, right? You're, you're, you can trust in that group and then you can focus on the job at hand. Now, I'm curious, Lacey, your ability, like, well, firstly, let me check. You have that crew, right? You have a really a pretty tight circle yourself? Right. Yes, I right. do. When did that form for you? Like, when did you start to feel that compared to your childhood, which sounds like it was really horrible and you, you did amazing just to get through that, when did you feel like things had changed for you in that and you had a circle of people that you loved and trusted and you felt like they could support you in what you're doing? Honestly, um, you know, this job and this this position I'm in with my life, uh, being a superstar, being a mother, being a wife, being a veteran, being a motivator, you know, uh, it can get very heavy. Um, and it's a lot to carry mentally, you know. Uh, so the moment that mentally, when it came to mental health is when I realized that um, I've got a lot going on. Um, and I come from a lot and I've got some skeletons in my closet i've got a lot of stuff that i deal with every day and i'm expected to be this superstar and this amazing incredibly healthy vibrant uh smart you know everything and in between and like i said with the dms and so it's heavy you know and every day i gotta wake up and put my best foot forward and my the first thing and it's funny uh the first time i met justin was when we were uh at a at at the bc and he came in to teach us uh, about a motivational class and how we juggle all this stuff, but at the end of the day, no matter what happens, what is your why? And they always stuck out to me. And, and every now and then I'll do a little post and a little caption about, because that's so important. And I was sitting back with this job. And like I said, all those things I just named and, and it was, I couldn't breathe. I literally couldn't breathe. And I was dealing with a lot of family stuff that superstars don't deal with, you know? And I, and it was just all just at one time. And I literally physically couldn't breathe. It was like something was on my chest. And I needed to realize my why because I can't be the mom that, I mean, it's my daughter, it's my husband. I can't be the mom that she deserves and the hu- and the wife that my husband deserves. And they're my why with, with my mental health and everything that I'm, that I'm dealing with. So 
it was at that moment that I realized that my, that circle you're talking about, I needed to evaluate it. And it quickly went from a handful to even less because uh, it's very important that you take that into consideration. You take your mental health and the way that you're breathing and the way that you're looking at life. And even if something that I still have to evaluate every day, almost, you know, I have to look back and realize what is impacting my mental health. What is impacting my why? Because little things could seep in people, friends, family, and you got, you got to cut it out, especially at this, this platform that I've got in this position in my life, because it's just so much. And, uh, and I had to dial it back, but it was when I found myself on the floor, barely breathing because it, it just hit me all one day. And it was just too much to carry. And uh, it was my why that, that woke me up and realized that I need to let go of people. I need to cut them off and just push back and close my gates And um, in order to to be the woman that I am that my daughter and my husband needs. Yeah, it's, it's such a common theme with a lot of people who we interview on this and, and who we work through at the same level where a lot of the why isn't necessarily about all the glitter and the, the glitz and the glamour. It's, it's much more about people. It's less about things. It's more about like who do you really want to get closer to? And you you spoke there about something that can be summed up as you can't look after other people unless you're looking after yourself first. You're going to run yourself into the ground. For those of us who don't have the blessing of being able to watch you as you speak here so passionately, Lacey, you did say something there where you used air quotes. You put your fingers up, did a little air quotes around superstars don't deal right. with that, Right. And yep. that's a, it's a common misperception, right? Would you say, Justin, how many athletes, pro athletes you work with that have significant issues that perhaps the kids who look after them or even the adults who wear their jerseys around just have no idea that they're dealing with that? It is so funny you mentioned that because when she said that, my antenna went up too and people don't realize that. The average person do not realize the weight on the, sh- on the shoulders of, of people at the highest level. They think that, oh, they're just... These superstars, these athletes, they have all this money, they have all this fame and don't realize the human nature. They're humans uh, with families, with feelings, with, with, uh, with schedules, with priorities, with their own whys, with their own dreams. And, uh, and it's, 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 it's amazing to see how people don't even take that in consideration. And yeah, Patty, you, even with, uh, with the, these elite athletes and soldiers as well, at the highest level, these elite soldiers, they, they do get frustrated. They do have panic attacks and they do uh, have insecurities. And, and it, to hear Lacey say what she said and yes. to be vulnerable, uh, just to say that and to share that, that's eye-opening for people. Or even other athletes because they think, oh, I shouldn't feel this way. And we have people like Lacey saying, no, it's okay to feel this way. And we're human. And, and, and I'm going to still do my job feeling this way. And, uh, and I need to make some changes. But that, that, was, that was awesome. I love that part. You said a key word there too, human. That this isn't just a, because I'm a superstar and I have extra weight. And there is a lot more going on for a superstar in terms of demands on their time and attention and what stress they're under. You know, in some instances that is, but also if I can't make rent and I've just lost my job, like there's a fair bit of weight on that person too. And you're not a superstar, you're just human and humans have wants and needs and dreams and they fail and they get up and they have a past and everyone has skeletons. And this is a really important point that that I think starts to link some of the lessons that we learn from superstars that every one of us can apply. And I think there you've mentioned one of them, you mentioned shrinking your circle, but Lacey, you also 
you know, you, you've gone on from doing the military um, and and specifically breaking down some barriers there. You've set up your own construction business. This is a human thing too. Humans want to want to climb mountains. There's always this innate need of like, I'm going to get that job or I'm going to get that promotion or I'm going to get that girlfriend or boyfriend. Like people want to do things. They set goals. You've done a number of them and crushed them all. Lacey. The one that everyone knows you for now, you're a WWE superstar, but at one stage you weren't. Right. I was still active duty when WWE even found me. I never imagined that I would be in WWE. I, I didn't even watch WWE. It happened literally overnight. Um, and it's something that just God put in my lap, literally, because my staff sergeant did what I thought was backyard wrestling. And there was like this little promotion. And um, we, I went to watch him, me and my husband, my daughter, we went to watch my staff sergeant. And I just, I fell in love with it. I was like, man, I would love to get in there because it was you know, the little kids around the ring, you know, you could tell they didn't have a pot to piss in. They, their parents literally would bring them to watch these in-ring performers. And I'm like, man, on Monday through Friday, I'm a freaking SWAT, like kicking indoors training. I want to be, I want the little kids to like see me and just for, for once in their life for one day a week to forget about their troubles. Cause I looked at the babies and I saw myself, you know, you could tell they didn't have much and but but here they were their parents were paying this five bucks to let them come and watch us on saturday and within two weeks i kid you not i got a phone call and they wanted to offer me a tryout with wwe so i'm googling wwe like what is this like what is this even gonna you know and um i was very you know didn't didn't want to at first i never wanted to be famous i'm from the trailer park man and uh the Marine Corps was great. I was, I was kick-ass at my job. I was a great mother. I was a great wife. I was taking care of my siblings who struggled with, you know, addiction and their mental health. And so I was like, you know what? I'm going to try it. I'm going to go out there. I don't got nothing to lose. My master gun said, go ahead, you know, go kill it, Marine. Be back in three days. And I went out there and uh, believe it or not, I got a phone call a few months later and they wanted to offer me a contract that I could not turn down because I realized how many people I could actually impact uh, while having this platform. And that is my main goal and has been since day one. Very cool. You, you said backyard wrestling and immediately in my head, I'm picturing like, I don't even know what the scene is that's coming up in my mind, but I'm like, I'm, I'm literally walking into a house party. You know, there's people drinking in the garage. I go out the back, there's a yard, a, little, a basketball hoop on one side, there's grass and someone's just roped off a thing. And people right. are jumping in, jumping in the mud. Like, tell, like what happens in backyard wrestling? Right. It's actually now. Okay. So this, it just depends. It's an independent scene. So it's called, it's called indie wrestling. And some, some promotions are bigger. Some are smaller. In Georgia was called APW um, run by Tom Cosio. And he's actually an incredible man. He got me all the connections that I need, that I needed. And he's the one who put my name in, you know, he called some contacts and said, Hey, there's this freaking crazy, blonde-haired marine that just came in i think that she might have what it takes and um so yeah i mean it was there was a ring outside in, in a parking lot and we uh you know hitting each other and flopping and flying but you know i just do it professionally now <laughs> that's fantastic in a parking lot that's brilliant and and, and it's a it's a great similarity to the life of minor league baseball players. So, Justin, you two, you, you work with them, Tampa Bay Rays. Lacey, I'm assuming that first contract that you signed was not for Megabucks and you weren't immediately made a superstar. You had to do some sort of, like, road to the majors, right? And, Justin, the guys you work with sometimes can take six, maybe even longer years of 
schlepping around the baseball equivalent of car parks in shitty minor league stadiums, 14-hour bus rides, sleeping in like flea-infested motels, getting paid shit. Like I'm not even going to watch my words there. The, the wages of minor league baseball players are less than minimum wage. So that is a shit life to live until they get to their dream. Justin, tell us about the mental hurdles that your guys have to deal with before they even get close to their dream. You, you are absolutely right. Uh, it, is, it is when you get to a certain point in the, ma- in the minor leagues, you start wondering, is this worth it? Do I really want to do this for the rest of my life? And then you start looking at people to your left and to your right who you don't think are as good as you. You don't think they work as hard as you. You don't think that they can hold a candle to you, yet they're getting promoted. And you're looking and you're looking at people ahead of you, behind you, and, and you end up realizing, do I want to keep doing this? And, and like you said, it's, uh, it comes down to asking yourself, okay, what's my why, like Lacey said, and then am I willing to embrace the boredom of consistency? Am I willing to put in the work every single day even though I'm not seeing the results. And even if I think I'm doing good, what if the person who's making the decision doesn't think I'm doing good? And so you start questioning yourself and wait, do I need to change myself and change who I am? Okay, so that's the minor league baseball. Then I meet Lacey with WWE. And the thing about baseball and sports, it is a a meritocracy. Like if you're the best, will rise to the crop. That is not the case with the WWE. You can be amazing and it might be a look it might be it might be something completely outside of your control you have no control over you have no control over and uh, and all of a sudden moves are being made and so when when Lacey and her and her contemporaries explained to me what they had to go through I came in with this mentality oh it's like sports and Lacey's like "Uh uh-uh it's nothing like sports I was like oh my goodness you're right (laughs) it's crazy like the the similarities there between those two but obviously the differences and you mentioned things there that it wouldn't matter if you're playing baseball wwe or you were working at the local post office right there are there are so many humans who are striving for something and they're going through shit and they watch other people get ahead who either aren't working as hard or aren't as talented or just like it's just not fair what you said before Lacey, the world's not fair it's it's it'll kick you down and such a strong element of whether people can get through or not is willingness. You use the word willing. Like what are you willing to put up with in order to get that thing that you're trying to get? Like this shit is uncomfortable and how uncomfortable you're going to allow it to be. Cause at one point you can always tap out. I'm going to use a wrestling example, right? You can always reach for the rope or you can tap. I'm done. Right. I mean, I'm going to use that tap out example there, Lacey. Have you ever tapped out? And have you ever got to the point of tapping out and going, nah, fuck it, I can do another 20 seconds? I don't, I'm not really much of a tap out person. I, I mean, obviously in, in WWE I've had before, um, but it just depends on the circumstance. It depends on what you're put out there to do. But uh, like you said, life is hard and you don't get to choose what comes to you. The only thing you could choose is how you react to it. And, um, and like he said, this is nothing like sports. You know, uh, athletically, you have to be capable of doing a lot of stuff, but it doesn't matter at the end of the day, it's what they want. So you have to have a, a mentality. And I'm going to go back to what he said, because if you know your why, you know, it, it'll keep pushing you. It'll keep, you know, right when you want to tap out, no matter what situation you're in in life, uh, rather it's a career, rather it's financial, rather it's goal oriented, 
You're going to find yourself wanting to so bad. But if you honestly, without a shadow of a doubt, know what your why is, that that's all in my opinion. I, and I found myself in, in that mindset. That's all it takes to keep on going because there, you can't tell me there's not a, a match I've been in, not a physical pain, not a mental, not emotional that I've ever been in that I've ever given up because when it hurts the most, when I'm the most tired, when I'm second guessing the most, that's when I remind myself, what, what am I here for? What am I doing this for? And every time it lifts me back up, it moves the pain and I keep on trucking forward. You said it, it moves the pain. It doesn't remove the pain. It doesn't get rid of the pain. It just shifts it from the center of your attention to the periphery because something more important is sitting in the middle. I love the way you you worded that. And, and you also, like you mentioned without any fear or embarrassment, like occasionally we, depending on the context, you might tap out. It, It might be a, in this situation, I need to be flexible. This isn't as important as this other thing. I mean, how many times, Justin, have you worked with an athlete who's been so fixated on this is how it has to be that you're almost like, yeah, but dude, look, there's a door over there. You're trying to squeeze through this little two-inch window. There's a whole door open over there. That is so true. A lot of times people look at uh, a WWE wrestler with their arm being raised at the end of a match or a belt or a World Series championship or a Super Bowl championship, and they see the end result. They see the byproduct, but they, what they don't see is all of the turmoil and adversity behind the scenes. They don't see the hours of sacrifice. They don't see the lack of sleep. They don't see the financial problems. They don't see the skeletons that, like Lacey mentioned earlier, they don't see any of that. They just see this quote-unquote superhuman hero who is the best in the world at what they do, and they don't even consider even all of the L's that this person took up to this point. All of the times they lost, all of the times they failed, all of the, the times where people who they love, even the people who they, who they love have not supported them, have put turned against them. Like People don't see that. And people don't see all of the lessons that these athletes and these performers and these uh, have these, yeah, these performer performers have learned along the way. They're willing to admit, yep, I took an L there. I lost there. I tapped out there. But this is the lesson I learned from that L. Where the average person, they just run and hide and they don't even want to learn from it. They don't want to get better from it. They want to avoid it, know it didn't happen. They want to put their head in the sand. But the elite, they learn from it. They embrace it. They admit it. They say, yeah, I took that L. I'm going to take some more, but I'm going to use it as a stepping stone and not a stumbling block. Right. And that's, you notice a lot of people at the top, you, you mentioned that they learn, they review, they, they're self-critical, but not in a defeatist way. They're just like, where was that wrong? What, what could I do better, right? Now, some, some very, very rare few are born with the Michael Jordan gene of just being absolutely obsessed, Kobe Bryant, like that they can't think of anything else. Now, that's not very normal. And for the rest of us who are more normal, none of us, there's no such thing as normal, but we're more towards the middle of the curve. Often you'll find that people have to actually put in like, here's a trick that I do to make sure that that happens. Here's a routine that I use or a process or a ritual that I make sure helps me get better rather than just hoping that I'm evolving and learning. Lacey, is there anything that, particularly as you got into wrestling, right, you said it wasn't a dream. It wasn't like you've been jumping off the top rope since you were 10 and you were practicing all your moves. You would have had to learn a hell of a lot athletically 
as well as from a performance standpoint, from what period when you signed that first contract to you being a superstar? Like how, how long was that length of time? Oh, uh, the minute, the first day I knew I was in trouble uh, <laughs> because I was not an actress. I mean, I wasn't really even like technically an athlete. I mean, I was a Marine. I could shoot a pie just as good as I can or shoot a weapon just as good as I could bake a pie, you know. But what is that? Like I can kick some doors down and stop a threat, you know. But now here I am about to have to, you know, get into a character and tell a story. And I'm like, Ugh, okay. But I just, same thing. I took it just like I took everything the rest of my life. You know, I have this opportunity, no matter how big or small, you look at what you've got, what opportunity that you have. And then you kind of dissect it briefly of what it's going to take to actually accomplish this. Right. And that's what I do. I just one thing at a time. I don't care if it's the acting. I don't care if it's interviews like this. Okay. I'm going to be able to get on and, and express mental health and motivation. And I, that's my passion. That's what I love. Okay. So now what am I going to talk about? You know, obviously it's, it's based on what we all come through together, but I take a moment to realize for one, the opportunity, and then the little steps that it's going to take to get there. And I use that in everything in my life from WWE to when I wrestling in high school to every job that I've had. So you just take it one day at a time, one thing at a time. And then before I knew it, just having the confidence that I know what it's going to take to get where I want to go. And if you just focus on what it's going to take to get to where you want to go in your wife, it makes it so much easier because it's just like little baby steps. Yeah, chunking it down is, is one of the most important parts of achieving particularly large goals. There's this the, the famous saying of how do you eat an elephant? Right. One bite at a time, right? And it's, and it's not necessarily thinking about the next four bites. It's I have this thing on my fork and I'm going to eat that one and swallow it before I move on to the next. Right. Justin, Justin, is there anything else from a process point of view that you would add to that that you, you find helpful with your cohort, I guess, the people you're working with who are trying to achieve big things to help them stay in that moment or chunk it now? Well, what I love is just how Lacey went through her process. I think both you, you could agree with this. People always say, what do you teach elite athletes? What do you teach? I don't, honestly, I might teach them the cup, but for the most thing I do, I just ask questions. They're elite. They've got to this point by themselves doing what they do. And I ask them questions like you just did. Lacey, what do you do? What you, how do you do it? And they're able to articulate and they'll give you their framework. And then you notice it and you kind of articulate it and you highlight it. And they're like, oh, that's what I do. And because sometimes they don't even realize they do it because it's been so organic. And to hear Lacey constantly talk about her why and talk about how she chunks it. And I think that's so important to focus on the right here, right now. And I think the best in the world, they do things on purpose. With purpose. It's funny. I've never told, I've never told Lacey this. Uh, when I was watching, I love to observe athletes, observe other athletes. And you just kind of could watch it. And one thing I remember there was a, uh, there in, in WWE, it's called bumping. They were bumping and, and you see Lacey, like she studies, like when she watches something, you have the average person who's kind of, watch, but then you have people who just kind of like stare and study. They don't just look at it, look at it. They're literally watching to learn. And that's one of the things when at, in our roles, we're kind of flies on the walls and we could watch. And I remember Lacey really, it was a tryout. I don't know if you remember this Lacey, but you're just learning and you can see your things are going on in your mind. And that's what I see a lot of great athletes do. It's even when they're not in there, they're constantly learning, constantly learning. And so that's something that, uh, that I just noticed. I actually have this saying usually when I'm starting with the performer, whether it's an athlete, whether it's a, a CEO, a trader, whatever it might be, a surgeon, 
if they want to sit down and get better at their performance and they're like, okay, you, what are you going to teach me? Like, how, you know, what does this involve? I'm like, well, I've got to be honest, I'm going to teach you like a couple of things. There's not going to be much that I teach you, but you're going to learn a shitload. You're going to learn so much because this is more about you learning about yourself than it is about me teaching you anything. I can teach you a couple of things about how attention works in the brain, blah, blah, blah. I could tell you stories for days about some of the people I've worked with. But this is much more, getting better is much more a process of you understanding yourself than it is about understanding anything else. That might be a great way to wrap up with the final question here, Lacey. I want to give you an opportunity, like if you could go back to the 19-year-old, 20-year-old who got into the Marines and obviously you've learned a lot in the time since. You've, you've crushed that challenge. You've built a business. You've become a, a world superstar in, in a sport you didn't even know existed when that started. I'd be curious to know what you've learned about yourself that you would go back and tell that Marine. I mean, just live in the moment because uh, coming from the rough upbringing that I did, I, I always find myself um, striving so much to never become what I was surrounded with. And, uh, and I work and I work so hard every day in order to create a life that is so far from that um, to what I call, and I use the hashtag break the cycle. Um, and if I could go back, I would tell myself to just breathe and, and enjoy the moment that, you know, you, I'm an, I'm an athlete, I'm an elite for a reason because I never stop I give 100% in everything that I do. It doesn't matter if it's WWE, here on the set with Military Makeover. As a mother, my daughter is literally right next to me in the camper. I've got a little walkie-talkie to make sure she's okay. (laughs) My husband is fed. He's hydrated. He's out there working, and I take pride in that. But um, a lot of times I find myself, you know, at the end of the day, just back to feeling like I kind of can't breathe and that, you know, I just need to realize that, you know, we have one life to live, and it is very important to stay motivated stay driven but also to realize how beautiful and and amazing life is and these opportunities and because i just go so fast and i work so hard and and then i find myself thinking man you know i might have enjoyed it a little bit more if i could have just relaxed and uh, actually taken it in instead of pushing so hard at everything that i do uh honestly that would be it because i believe like mental health is so important and I find myself at a breaking point a lot of times with everything that I deal with and I struggle with and that I juggle. And uh, I, I think that that would be what I would tell myself. Fantastic lesson. And, and this is no, no word of a joke. Uh, before this interview, I was on another Zoom call, but with a major league baseball team I worked with, with some players. And we ran a little exercise where I, I asked them to just settle in, close your eyes, imagine something. You're in the room and 10-year-old you walks in and sits down next to you. And they look at you and they're like, oh, my God, it's so amazing. You're doing this thing that I always wanted to do. And, and ask them what they would tell you. What advice would they give you? And vice versa, 40-year-old you is finished, his career's finished, but he looks back and he says he would give you some advice. And what would they both say about how you're handling this current thing right now, specifically about corona and the shutdown and all that sort of stuff? And to a man, every single one of them, when, when they shared with the group, was saying just, like, be here and stop complaining because... It is what it is, and 10-year-old me would have given his, his left you-know-what to be able to be here. And 40-year-old me would be looking at me saying, please don't lose a month just feeling sorry for yourself. Like, make everything count. And you just nailed it there, and, it, and it's so, such a common theme when you ask someone to talk about what advice they would give. 
that it often comes down to that. And for listeners, maybe try that yourself. Just think about what advice you would give to younger you, or more importantly, what would they say to you right now about how you're handling things? Um, Lacey, I want to thank you very much for getting on. Your, your energy is infectious. I don't normally talk this loudly or with this much energy. So you really, you got me. Well done. Uh, and, it, and it makes sense also because Sua is that person. Uh, Justin, I want to thank you for coming on as well. For anyone who wants to follow up and find either of you, Lacey, what's the best way for someone to watch your stuff? All my social media is Lacey Evans, WWE. All right, great. And Justin Sua. Justin Sua. All right, perfect. Easy. Thank you so much, Lacey. Uh, your story is, is incredible. and Thank you. You're, uh, you're no doubt going to be impacting many, many more people with that energy, but also with your honesty and, and just raw sharing story. It's incredible. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Anytime, man. I enjoyed this. And Sua, thank you again, man, for bringing your expertise on. Awesome. Yeah, you got it. You got it. Great to see you again, Lacey. Thank you, Justin. Good to see you, man. Anytime. Hit me up. We'll do. We'll do. So why is it got to be so damn uh-huh.